1: Hey, welcome Freedom Nation. It's Jeff here and another episode of the Freedom Nation podcast. Today is episode 15 and it is how much money do you need to be financially free? So if you remember all along here up to this point, we've been talking a little bit about uh, how to get financially free. We've talked about uh, you know how to get yourself out of debt. We've talked about how to build a freedom engine to help you get to this point, either getting out of debt or replacing your income. But we really haven't gotten into how much money you need to be financially free. So that's going to be the concept, or that'll be the the subject of today's show. The first thing is, you know, we talked about freedom engines. So as we've figured out what our debt is, what our budget is every month, you should have by now have a, or should by now have a pretty good understanding of what it costs to run your life every month. Is that three thousand dollars, four thousand dollars, five thousand dollars? The main thing that you want to understand is there's a there's a minimum amount that you need to run your life. If you're keeping your finances under control, what is that minimum amount? And that's really where we start from. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to get to, with that dollar amount, doesn't mean that you're going to get to do all the fun things. You're not going to get to necessarily go on vacations and um, do all the other things that you want to do, but that's what you need to run your life. So that's your base level. And then you want to add to that, well, I, I want to go on vacations or I need to be saving for later, You know, saving for my eventual retirement when I don't want to work anymore. Those are things that you're going to need to kind of factor in of the extras that you need to be saving. Those are going to be funded by a freedom engine, some type of freedom engine that that you are going to use to generate that income. You're going to use that income to either pay off the debt that you have to improve your financial situation or your cash flow, because remember, cash flow is just simply income in minus expenses. That's your cash flow. If it's a positive number, life is good. If it's a negative number, you can't do that for too long and you just keep going farther and farther into the hole. Eventually, you just run out of time or uh, run out of income to cover the ability to pay for that, that debt that you've built up. So, you're going to figure out a freedom engine that's going to help you do that. Now, freedom engines come in many different types. Uh, the first of which is what I call the income method of a freedom engine it is creating a small business, creating a, or, you know, doing something, whether it's a side gig, creating a small business, buying a franchise, whatever it is, you're creating that that will create an income for you. This is very important to understand. A lot of people create businesses, but they didn't really think it through when they created the business, and they're in the same boat as their owners, who often are you know, running into debt every month. Well, the same thing happens with business owners. They create businesses that have too much expense and not enough income, and they start going into the hole, which a lot of times then the owner has to come in and funnel money into the business to keep it running, but it's still making no money. So if the business doesn't create an income stream, this is not a good thing. This is not gonna get us to our freedom. So we have to stop, we have to take a look at our business, we have to look at all the things that we're doing to bring income into the business. And if we're doing the maximum we can do to bring income into the business at that point, the only other thing to do, and, and you should be doing this every month that you look at it, you should be looking at your budget, What are things that you can eliminate from your budget so that you can increase the amount of positive cash flow that your business has? So that is the income method. So now let's say that our monthly budget, you know, the bare minimum that we need to get by is $4,000. Well, once my side gig that I create is creating at least $4,000 per month part-time, then I'm at my freedom day when it comes to that. If I'm creating enough income To cover my expenses, which my expenses in this case are $4,000 a month, then I am free. I'm financially free at that point. Now you have a decision to make. You could at that point say, well, I'm going to quit my job because I'm doing this other one only part-time. If I was able to do this full-time... I could make more money, and that would make up for all the other things that I need. I need to pay for health care. I need to pay for saving towards my you know, long-term retirement, all those things. Remember, in the world of Freedom Day, we don't think about retirement. We're thinking about getting to our Freedom Day as quickly as possible and having the freedom to say, okay, well, I want to continue to work at my job. I actually love what I do, but I'm going to keep my Freedom Engine going on the side because that takes all the financial stress off of me at that point. I know I have enough income coming in that I don't have to worry about this. That's the income method. And that's the way you want to think of it. Another method is what you call, what we call the asset method of a freedom engine. What does that mean? Well, for somebody that doesn't really want to start a small business or doesn't want to start any kind of a side gig on the side, they could put money away every month into some type of a vehicle now in the old way of thinking that was well i'm going to pour all my money into 401ks and everything else which i think you should continue to do but if you're trying to get your freedom day as quickly as possible you can't use a retirement account because if you're going to get to freedom day prior to 59 and a half well you you don't have access to those monies that you've put into those longer term retirement accounts because longer-term re- retirement accounts are great vehicles to reduce your taxable income. And as a W-2 wage earner, as an employee, that's the only thing really you can re- use to reduce your taxable income. So I would wholeheartedly recommend, as a financial planner, I would wholeheartedly recommend that you put money into retirement accounts. But if you're trying to reach your Freedom Day, then you need to be doing something First. Some of that money needs to be going into vehicles that you have access to prior to age 59 and a half, if you if you want to get to your freedom day before then. So that means it's an asset method. So now, what do we need to think about? Okay, well, the asset method says that we need to have a certain dollar amount of money that is available to us that is that's liquid that we can use to create an income stream for ourselves using the growth of that money and using that you know the income that comes off of that money to generate an income stream so let's use a a really good example of how this works Um, let's go to the more traditional way of thinking which would be retirement so i'm going to retire at age 65. well at age 65 i can safely withdraw five percent and this is just a financial planning formula i can withdraw five percent of my assets per year up to you know my death which is going to be somewhere in the 90s 90 92 or 90 to 92 which is what we typically use when we do financial planning i can withdraw five percent of that and i will what that means is five percent of whatever the balance is every year All the way up to, or five percent of my beginning balance. So let's say I have a million dollars when I retire, or when I reach retirement age, I can take out five percent of that. So that's fifty thousand dollars per year, based on that first year, and then I would increase that fifty thousand dollars every year until my death, by whatever the cost of living is, which is typically about three percent over time. So that's the traditional way of doing this. Now we have to think of this a little bit differently. Uh, You're going to retire a little bit sooner or your your freedom day is going to be a little bit sooner if you're relying strictly on your assets. That's not creating some other business or anything like that. So here's a very simple formula to figure this out. So starting with what you need to live on every month. All right, so we're going to start with, let's say now we're at $5,000 per month that we need. Let's assume that we have a little we have a little freedom business on the side we've saved up an additional chunk of money but we've got a little freedom business on the side that's maybe making $2000 so now we still need to make $3000 on top of that any other income that you might have you're going to factor that in as well so maybe i have you know here in texas we have oil leases in a lot of cases, maybe I'm bringing in another thousand dollars of oil money every month, and that's relatively consistent. It might go up, might go down a little bit, but it's going to kind of be in there. So now, let's say I have a thousand dollars of a freedom business. I've got an extra thousand dollars of oil income. Now I'm down to three thousand dollars per month. So I multiply that times twelve, so that gets me to thirty-six thousand dollars. So I need my assets to generate. $36,000 a year for the rest of my life at this point, And I'm going to increase those for income. So a really simple way of doing this is to look at, okay, what do I need to, what's my multiplier to figure out what the dollar amount is that I need. So once again, let's go over this. I need $3,000 per month because I've taken my five. I took out a thousand dollars For the freedom business I've created or freedom engine I've created, I have a $1,000 of other income. Let's call it oil money or whatever. So I'm down to $3,000 that I need to create. And I've got a chunk of money that I have, and I want to know if that chunk of money is enough to be able to create this. So $3,000 a month times 12 gets me to $36,000 per year that I need to create to generate enough income for the rest of my life. So let's assume that we're down below age 50, or down below age 60 at this point. We're early 50s. Well, early 50s, we can withdraw about 4% of our income or 4% of our assets per year, adjusting for inflation over time to be able to generate enough income to create $3,000. So, what you do to figure that out is you multiply your 36,000 times 25. Why is that 25? What's the magic of that? Well, 4% rate of withdrawal. Uh, How many four or how many 20? Basically, four divided from 100 is 25. 100 divided by four is 25. So, that 25 corresponds to the 4% rate of withdrawal. So we take our 36,000 times 25, and that tells us we need $900,000 of assets to be able to supplement our income, to be able to live off of the income that we need. So for some of you that have been saving a lot over the years, and you've got a big chunk of money then it's very easy to say, well, okay, let's say you've got a million dollars. Then you'll have enough to generate that $36,000 for the rest of your life, rising it for inflation. Well, what if you don't have a big chunk of money? Well, that big chunk of money can be less. You just have to supplement that with something else. You have to supplement it partway with the income method. Or you need to focus really hard on growing your assets to where you can reach That freedom day, whenever you want to. Now, there's also the investment method, and that is taking those dollars and putting those dollars into something that generates an income stream. So you might take your, and if you remember back when we talked about the different types of, or we talked about the cash flow quadrant, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, you have four types of people. You have employees who have a job so they are told where to be every day they are told what they're going to get paid and then every basically everything is related to that employer they don't necessarily have control over their lives they can control where they're at but if they go someplace else they're still going to be an employee then you have at the bottom of that so this is top left hand corner bottom left hand corner is an S or a self-employed individual. Self-employed individuals are people who own a job. They get to work for themselves. They get to have some control about their lives. But the challenge that they have is they are the only person that works in their business. And as the only person that works in their business, they cannot take you know a year off or they couldn't take even a month off in a lot of cases because no money would be coming in because the business is them. And the business has zero value because once you're gone, you're really leaving nothing behind. Now, if you go to the right hand side of the cash flow quadrant, at the top right hand side, you have Bs or business owners. Business owners would appear very similar to self employed individuals. The difference with a business owner is the business owner has created systems, and those systems allow them to create a to you know, basically to create a business that is repeatable. Now, I could sell that business one time to someone who is looking to buy my system, and I also have employees that can work my system. So I create a system, my employees can work that system, and that is a business that can be sold to someone else who is wanting to be in that business or who wants to own a business like that. The last type of a uh, a person on the, the cash flow quadrant is an investor. That's the bottom right, an I. The bottom right folks are investors. And investors could be people that are self employed and they're using the income that they make from their business to buy into other businesses or other investments for the sole purpose of creating an income stream that can be used to replace their current income. The same is true of. A, an employee, an employee who doesn't want to go out and be self-employed, who doesn't want to go out and start a business, that employee can buy into investments. They can buy into um, an income or they can buy into a business where they may not necessarily have to be actively involved in running that business. They can just invest in it and receive an income back for their investment. Now, in the public markets where there's a lot of investors in a, in a company, the income is not going to be that high. I mean, you know, a, the, the average dividend stream or income stream off of, a, let's say, an S&P 500 company. The S&P 500 is a, a index that's put together of the top 500 companies in the United States. So these are large, successful businesses. Many of them have been around for a number of years a lot of them have reached the point where they can pay a dividend, and a dividend just means the company is making more money than they're paying out, and they've got extra money that they're returning to the shareholders in the form of a dividend. And so that dividend can be taken in a couple different ways. They first can receive that dividend as an income stream, and somebody or some people do this. They receive that, and they use that to live on There's other people that say, well, I don't really need the income. I'm still going to be taxed on it. I understand that, but I don't really need that income. So I'm just going to, I I like the company that I'm investing in. I really want more of that company. So I'm going to use my my dividends to buy additional shares of the stock. And that usually is done without any kind of a commission or anything like that. It's just taken in the dividend happens, that dividend is used to buy more stock, and then you just keep that rolling and rolling and rolling, and that allows you to compound your investment much larger over time. So that's a couple different ways that investments can generate income. Now, the larger and the more safe that an investment is, the less income it's typically going to generate because it's just not as risky as other investments the larger the amount of income that you're receiving, the riskier investments tend to be. There are a lot of investments that generate a large dividend, but you have to look or you have to understand that those dividends that are outsized, let's say you know the average dividend for a, an S&P stock is maybe 2%, 2.5%. If you've got an, a, an investment that's earning 10% dividend, well, then there's there's an inherently a little bit higher risk there because is that company going to be able to sustain that 10% dividend? It's great when things are going up and everything's doing well, but when the economy gets tight and when it becomes tougher for that company to make money, well, that 10% can evaporate pretty quick. And then you're stuck with a stock that's not earning a lot. And typically, as a result of that, that has gone down in value. The same is for bonds. Um, you might be invested in the U.S. Treasury bonds. Well, U.S. Treasury bonds are have a massive amount of safety to them. But as a result of that safety and less risk that you're taking, you're typically not going to get paid a high dividend. You might see one and a half, two percent, maybe on anything up to a 10-year in today's world, a 10-year Treasury bond in today's world. Now, you can look at. Corporations, the debt of corporations, and those can be things like well-known corporations by, let's say, a, a General Electric or an IBM or any of those type that might issue debt in the form of bonds. Well, those are a little bit more risky. They're private enterprises, and so they're a little bit more risky than the U.S. government um a lot of times these very large businesses already are they're making money like they're a government because they're so large and in those cases they tend to not be much more risky than the the treasury bonds so they don't pay a lot but you have other businesses that are a lot more risky and as a result of those they have to pay a higher rate of interest to be able to benefit so You have to really look at, okay, what am I looking to accomplish? I'm trying to generate an income stream. How much risk am I willing to take? Now, the opposite could be that I'm investing in a smaller business, a private business. And in that case, there's a lot more risk because there's not as much liquidity. I might not be able to get my principal out when I want it to. And as a result of that, I should be getting a, a correspondingly higher interest rate as a result of that. But that also requires more time on my part to understand how the business works, to understand who's running that business and understand the risks that I might take. I could lose all of my investment at that point. So I need to be, as an investor, more aware of what the investments are that I'm putting my money into. I can't just pick something and throw money into it and hope that it's going to work for the rest of my life because that's not necessarily going to happen. Uh, you need to, the, the riskier and the more private and the smaller that a company is, the more time and effort you need to spend getting involved in it and understanding it. So let me, before we end today, talk a little bit about what a lot of people are doing right now. And I've said this a couple of times before. Uh, you've got a lot of people that are speculating on real estate right now because real estate is going up. And it, I, you know, since 2020, real estate has gone up massively in our country and really in almost all markets. Here's the thing, real estate doesn't always continue to go up. Uh, As much as people that are really active real estate investors would want you to believe, uh, real estate doesn't always go up. It does reach points where it goes up to a point and then it either levels out and just sits there for years or it goes up and then goes back down. Um, And you see the market pull back. What can cause something like that? Um, one, just the simple fact that you have a huge, massive run-up quickly can cause, a, can cause that to come back the other direction pretty quickly. So you have to look at demographics of an area. Um, what's the income level of the people there? What's the amount of, you know, what are the amount of people coming into the area? So what's the demand for housing? Um, and a big one is interest rates. Because right now, in in the times that we are, which is right now, December 2021, our interest rates are extremely low for housing. They're down in the twos, maybe threes. Um, I think you can get a 30-year mortgage today for maybe 3.25%, which is all well and good. Prices of real estate have gone up significantly, but if all of a sudden the federal reserve and the bond market realizes that we're getting a lot of inflation, they can easily start to raise interest rates. And when they raise interest rates, that begins to make it more and more expensive. If real estate has gone up in value, it makes it less and less affordable. And there's a breaking point that we reach where the prices of houses have gone up and interest rates have begun to go up farther than where they've been for years, and all of a sudden it becomes very unaffordable for people to buy a home. In those cases, that's where you'll see the, the market pull back. Um, you'll see that pullback happen, and then the market really starts to pull back, and people will start and wait. Um, another factor is Just simply the the economy, if we go into a recession and people start to lose jobs and they can't afford their homes, you have more supply that comes onto the market and the prices by nature are going to go down uh, because there's a few investors who kept money powder on the sidelines dry um, who can get financing at that time period. Um, And there's not everybody has the money or or the ability to get credit to be able to buy property. So the people who have credit and have money are able to pretty much say what they want to pay as a price right now, because we're in a seller's market. Basically, the sellers are in control of the market. Whatever they say the price is, people are willing to pay. There will be a point in time where we go the opposite direction, where we become a buyer's market and the buyer's market is. There's not as many people out there buying, and they can pretty much dictate what price they're willing to pay. So you need to understand that with any type of investments that we have. We, we need to make sure that we have a clear understanding of what they are, how they generate that income. Um, the other thing that I will talk about just quickly before we're done is cryptocurrency. Uh, right now, I keep hearing and hearing and hearing people talk about cryptocurrency. And there are many people that that is the only investment they have. And it's really not an investment because I term an investment is something that generates an income stream for you. Cryptocurrency generates no income stream. The only way you make money on cryptocurrency is to buy it cheap and sell it more expensive. That is it. That's the only way to make a A purchase that way. So that means you have to make two decisions right. You have to decide when to buy and when to sell. And if either of those times you made the wrong decision. So let's say you have a 50-50 chance. So you now have a 50-50 chance on two situations, which makes it a 25% chance that you might make money. And that's being generous at that point. That's just saying you have a 50-50 chance In two decisions. So understand that if you're buying cryptocurrency, it is strictly as a speculation. You're speculating that the price is going to go up. It will not generate an income stream for you at all in any way, shape, or form. You might make a profit, but you could make a big loss as well. And it is not something that you can buy, hang on to, and have it kick off an income stream to you. It's the same thing with gold. When things get bad, people used to run to gold. Now it's cryptocurrencies, but the same thing with gold is gold does not generate any form of income stream. It is a place to hold value in times of uncertainty. The problem with gold now is it became uncool, and now cryptocurrencies is the cool thing to invest in, and as a result of that, eventually that is going to come unglued. Um, a lot of different ways. There will either be a situation where the market moves against it, some type of regulation comes out because the federal or the, the state and federal banks see it as a, as a, a risk and, or, or a, a competition. And then they come in and regulate it and it changes the nature of the cryptocurrency. And that, main thing that you hear there is currency it's really not it's a speculative item it is not a currency a currency is something that has predictable value and this does not have a predictable value at all so am i telling you don't invest in cryptocurrency yes don't invest in it If you want to speculate in it, that's fine, but make sure that's not everything you do. Because for everybody that's made a ton of money in it, there's been a ton of people who have lost money in cryptocurrencies. It's just they don't talk about it because it makes them look stupid. That's the same thing I've heard for years. Being in the financial services industry, I've heard traders all the time talk about, oh, they're a wonderful trade that they bought X stock and They made all this money on it. And then you you question and query them about, well, okay, so so if you had more success than just that once and I haven't, uh, you know, I I kind of lost a lot of money. Yeah, because it's very difficult. Once again, you know, generously saying that there's a 50-50 chance of buying and getting it right is generous. Most times it's maybe a 20% chance or a 10% chance of getting it right. And then you have to be right on the sell side too. And if that's, you know, if the sell side's a, a 10% and the, the buy side's a 10%, then it's you average those two in half and it's about a 5% chance of actually being successful on a trade, on a, a buy and sell side trade. So I hope this was helpful. Um, you really need to choose the method that's going to be the right thing for you. And it doesn't mean that it has to be one of these. It could mean that it is all of these. You could have all three methods. You could have the income method where you create a little side hustle that turns into a a full-time business at some point. You could take some assets or you could save while you're in your job and pour money into investments so that you could, at some point, use those assets to generate an income stream. You could use the investment method of investing. You could go buy income producing real estate that will generate enough income to be able to replace your earned income or your W 2 income so that you are at your Freedom Day. You just have to choose which one's going to be right for you or which combination of them. For me, and I will, you know, once again, it's Jeff sharing his way of doing things. For me, I have used all of these. I have used the income method. Um, The way I am looking at the new investment that I have or the new um, freedom engine that I have, the solar business, the solar business, I don't really need the income. I created my freedom day already. Um, I created the solar business to show you that if I can do it, you can do it. There is nobody that's listening to this that is more busy than I am. I own five different businesses. I work in them actively. There is nobody that is more busy than I am that's listening to this. And I still decided to create another Freedom Engine to show you that it can be done. And if you're smart about it and if you use some of the principles that I talk about, you will be successful at creating a Freedom Engine. And so my Freedom Engine initially is designed to create income. I am using it to create an income stream to be able to fund some goals that I have. But some of those goals, since I don't need it to live on, I do not need that living income, some of those or some of the dollars that I make in that business, some will be given away. I've already talked about that. 10% will be given away about 15% will go towards longer term savings for us uh, in the form of retirement accounts because I want to be able to reduce my taxable income. Some of this is asset income. So it means I'm using it to buy assets that at some point I may use to flip on if I want to create an additional income stream. But right now I'm using it to build assets and I'm building Shorter term assets, pre-retirement age, and then longer term assets that I would use later on in life if I just reach a point where I don't want to keep working, uh, where I don't want to work in my businesses and I've sold them all off and I I just want to go on to do something else. Um, I don't see that happening because I love doing what I'm doing in all the businesses that I'm in. Some businesses I will sell, it's just they were designed to do that, but others I don't I will probably work in for the rest of my life and I'll have income, but I don't want to have to rely on that because I don't know if i get sick at some point or I'm not able to work. I need to make sure that I have assets and I have other sources of income that don't require me to physically be involved in the business. And I'm using some of that money to buy investments. So buy investment properties, uh, to buy corporate real estate, um, That's a big goal of mine because I want to continue to use those things to continue to build and generate more revenue that I can use for, you know, reaching my goals that I have. And, you know, some of the some of the really big dreams I have being able to buy investments that are going to be able to generate additional money for me. So that's Jeff's way of doing things at this point. Uh, You need to figure out what's right for you. So take that time. Think about what you're going to focus on first. Um, I think whatever you can do to get yourself to Freedom Day as quickly as possible is going to be better for you in the long run. Um, Do it right. Focus on one thing. Don't do the Jeff method of doing three or four things at one time because it's very difficult. I've, I've gotten very good at it, but it is very difficult. And even with creating my new Freedom Engine, I had to spend quite a bit of time looking at all the businesses and all the things that I do. And I basically had to shelve a bunch of projects that I was working on because they're just not as profitable as what I can do in this new business. So thanks a lot for listening. Once again, we're on all the major podcast channels. I encourage you wherever you're listening to this, subscribe to the channel because we do shows Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but... We sometimes throw in a little extra one in here and there, and you need to be able to be on there so that you can see these when they happen. I love comments. So if you have any comments or questions, please put comments or questions into wherever you're listening to us or wherever you see us, and I will answer those questions either on another podcast or just directly to you. If it's, if it's something I feel like other people would benefit from, I will just put it on to another show going forward. Last but not least, if you're listening to us on iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or any of the other podcast channels, and there is the ability to give us a rating, please give us a five-star if you can um, and share this with others. Uh, anybody that you feel would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Uh, share it on social media because it's, it's helpful for us to get the message out farther. Um, I am finishing up the Freedom Day book very soon. And so that book will come out after the beginning of the year. And that's really going to encompass all of this stuff that we talk about. And it will also encompass some tools online that only people that listen to the podcast and, and have the book are going to get. They'll be able to go onto a special website to get those. So I would encourage you to Share this with others that could use this as well. Share it with your friends at work. Share it with that family member that was complaining about their job or feeling like they're never going to get to retirement. You know, Share this stuff with them and let them um, hopefully learn about Freedom Day and, and continue to work that way. So thank you so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you back here very, very soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast.